0: Human. This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and an energy worker and a channel and a medium and a psychopomp and an emotional counselor and etc. And etc. Did you catch that? Welcome to another audio thingy on SoundCloud. Not really a podcast, but kind of. Uh, there are a couple things that are that are on my mind, and I was I was noticing I was um, collecting my thoughts a few minutes ago that um, Mercury is on my Jupiter in Capricorn in the third. So that, you know, I want to say something, you know, have something to say. But then I'm also realizing the bro- the longer context or the broader context of um, transiting Saturn on my Mercury in Sagittarius at the cusp of the third. So don't be surprised if what I'm doing today is very serious and, and don't be surprised if my voice sounds very heavy you know mercury on or Saturn on your mercury is going to make you think a little more seriously a little more uh, perhaps even long term with the planning and setting some setting things up and the things that I'm uh, thinking about today one of them is um, my girlfriend sent me a, a an image a Facebook snapshot thingy of uh, somebody's post about um, this thing in South Korea. uh, I guess maybe colloquially we can call it a death school. Death school. (laughs) That's what I ended up searching for a few minutes later because I was uh, intrigued. Um, And the other thing is about series, and she had actually also sent me a a, a link to a, a little article including some little videos about the mystery of the bright spots on Ceres turning out to be magnesium sulfate or something similar, uh, but but a salt, right? This uh, magnesium, because the uh, what is it called? It uh, some probe or something called the Dawn unmanned Dawn spacecraft. So we'll just call her Dawn. Uh, Pat has uh, been passing by, and now we get these images. So I'm going to talk about each of these things. First, I'm going to talk about Korean Death School, South Korean Death School. The idea is that, oh wait, I have one announcement. See, because I'm not doing a a formal podcast every week, I forget to do announcements. Um, For those of you listening to the sound thingies here on SoundCloud, you may have encountered the um, free introduction to the intuitive skills development class level one. So that is booked, the one that starts January 24th is booked, but that intro MP3, almost an hour explaining symbolic sight and including a, a, a meditation typical of the, of the class, so you can get a, a real sense of what it, what it feels like and um, the kind of um, uh, frequency I'm working on uh, when I do the class that's going to remain available. But as you listen to it, it'll say something like, the next one begins January 24, 2016. Well, that's filled. It actually filled within about 10 days, which is spectacular. I was really happy to see that level of interest. And then I had a few more um, uh, I am interested notes, which I had Told people to let me know, and if I get a few of them, then I will schedule another one. So it looks like I will schedule another one to start in February or March. So feel free, um, probably March, to, to be in contact with me. But hear that MP3 if you're interested in the idea of intuitive skills development. It's a sh- it's a tour of the chakras of your chakras of your life history, what's stored in them, because to unlock and then get to know and then trust your own intuition, including the, the faculty within you that can communicate with other beings, including spirit guides. That's part of the point of the course. To get there, you have to, every single one of us has to deal with what we're afraid of and deal with self-doubt and regret and shame and guilt and feeling that life is not supportive and our fears about all kinds of things. So that mp 3 remains free, up there, I'm going to leave it up here forever, and uh, eternity permitting, I don't know what that means, but uh, but anyway, I will schedule another class soon, you can keep an eye on my blog or Facebook or Twitter, or sign up for my email list, I will be communicating about that. I love teaching that class, because it puts people in the driver's seat of their lives by explaining what are these physical triggers, what are these emotional triggers, how can I understand the role of family, or my, my family, my partner? How can I understand this pattern in my life, and then how can I change it? It's extremely, um, it is severely empowering to take this class. Intuitive skills development level one. Okay, so let's move into um, South Korean death school. So the idea with, with the death school is that, um, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Like, what am I learning? Am I learning to die? Am I learning about death? Is this for uh, morticians in training? What it is, is people killing themselves. See, I told you, Saturn's on my Mercury. People killing themselves. And and South Korea has the highest number per 100,000 people, the second highest number on the planet. Um, I think it said Guyana had the, the, the highest number per 100,000 people. So I'm, I'm going to be doing some research on that. Um, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it's just kind of absurd. Absurd. So the school is taking um, pupils, right, students, and um, there are pictures of these kids sitting on these little desks next to these um, simple coffins in a classroom, and they're sitting there looking very dour. And the idea is that they come in and um, have to think about the process of. Of death, what happens and the consequences following it, so they have to write a will. They get their photo taken because a photo will be on their bodies in the coffins. They get their foot like a death photo or something. They take their take a photo, write their wills, and then lie in this box, this coffin, in the dark for ten minutes or more, reflecting on their life. Depression being. A major element in this whole thing, depression, and they talk about different age groups in uh, in South Korea that are that are undergoing this this, this suicide thing, and this is an attempt to um, stem that tide, to 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 lower the number of suicides, making you know. So anyway, when I first saw this, I was like, ten minutes in a box, you know, make them be in there for like a week in the box. Because it's not, because you're, but but that's not even right. That's not even right. Ten minutes is nothing. That's kind of where I went first, and I think that was kind of a um, sarcastic, sardonic, kind of um, comedic reaction, you know, kind of a smart, smart-locky reaction. But A, this is good because they're thinking about it, they're trying. B, it's I think it's not really getting to the core of it. Because all these these people, these students, and I'm assuming they're like high school kids, uh, emerge from the box, and they feel refreshed, they report. And when I read that, I thought, they're saying that because they should. Like, they perceive it's supposed to work. So they're going to try to fit in. They're going to try to make it seem like it worked. And that kind of broke my heart. I have posted for free in various places, and uh, you can you can look it up, including um, as a video on YouTube. That's there's no video. There's just like a you know a label screen or what do you call it, like a title screen, title card. The uh, the channeling that I put out a few years ago, um, healing suicide from Ascended Master Jehudi, also known as Thoth, St. Germain, and Merlin. And he talks about... It's called... What's it called? It's called... Uh, um, yeah, Healing Suicide. So the idea is that a lot of people in various lifetimes have done it and are in this lifetime dealing with the ramifications of that in the emotional body of having lost faith, given into despair, um, given up, done violence to the self, that kind of thing. A lot of people... So people who, um, in, in this life, may contemplate suicide, it's it's probable that you you know they've done it elsewhere on the timeline, and there, it's a non-judging look at that from the soul's point of view. So that's really powerful, really important. The transcript is also available in Kindle and uh, through my site tdjacobs.com as well. I really encourage you to do that. I'll tell you the truth. It's kind of a love letter from Jehudi, this ascended master who who, uh, kind of took me under his wing and tutored me for years. It's a love letter to me as I dealt with depressive tendencies, despair, just hopelessness. And even as I was channeling it, I felt him talking to me during parts of it, even though I knew I was turning this around. To share with other people. So, anyway, healing suicide. I, I encourage you to listen to it if you have any tendency toward depressiveness or feelings of hopelessness and despair. I'll tell you that these are actually normal human things that come and go, transient human emotions. We don't know how to deal with emotions, we don't know how to deal with what looks dark and depressing. We need to learn how to do that. So, anyway, in South Korea, they are, there is an attempt to do this, and that's really important. I don't, I don't think it's actually getting to the root cause, not even close, not even a half of a quarter of a percent of the root cause of what the depression is, but it's being talked about. You know, it's in the collective awareness and is obviously getting global news coverage if I, sitting in Satan's oven, can read about it on the interwebs. I mean, there are a lot of things going on in the world that reflect things that are hard to deal with. And we say, why? Why do these happen? There's also a, a, a free audio thing on the SoundCloud, uh, on my SoundCloud profile dealio here, that's on mass shootings, inspired by after the Oregon Community College one of several months ago. But then, of course, we've had, we've had several since then um, in different parts of the world. So, wh- what do we do? With pain that festers and becomes anger. Oh, and there's also a free audio on the uh, after the Paris bombings talking about like an organization, um, Daesh. I'm start, i like to start calling them Daesh, but we typically call them ISIS, or I, I like to call them ISIL. Um, the um, very dedicated fanatic terrorist group that wants to take over the world and kill everybody who doesn't fear them or join them. Yeah, what do we do with intense emotions? What do we do with that? Anyway, I spend a lot of time thinking about that stuff, hence all of the, uh, these materials. So that's the, that's the death school. So it says it, it. you know, reports are that it helps the depressed teenagers the expectation to conform the judgments on how good you are at things, the competition to succeed, which is all done through the lens of the mind. This is the problem. The working through the lens of the mind, the expectations of the linear logical self will take you in every case away from what is divine, which is acceptance. Love, openness, generosity, creating space for healing. So all the competition naturally will take you away from your divine self. Competition can be healthy, but if you go at it and then there's a cultural institution that has people competing with each other, and then the judgment if you're not number one, this is the, the kind of zero-sum game mentality this is destructive, so this is part of the core uh, issue with the with the depression in that particular thread, as far as I understand it, from what i from what I've learned about that culture. Yeah, wow, Korea death school. Okay, the next thing, <laughs> the next thing, uh, the Tom Jacobs mental sampler today is um, pictures. Of series from uh, release within the last week, I think uh, I read that it had, uh, this Dawn uh, spacecraft reached it on in March of 2015. But now we're getting these these photos. Of course, it takes time to to do whatever they do. I don't know if they Photoshop out the uh, sunspots or freckles or whatever. I don't know. But so we have these pictures, and they're figuring out what these bright spots are. And there's something like 130 of these bright spots, and they're magnesium, something or other, magnesium sulfate, which is like Epsom salts. <laughs> so, um, seeing pictures of Ceres, I want to talk about this because um, it's important. We last year had the 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 first um, pictures of Pluto from New Horizons. And, and what I want to do, um, not really get into the astrology of these bodies, but more like the, the archetype and the, and the myth and kind of like uh, in the collective awareness, what it means to have pictures of a new thing, pictures of a new body. Or pictures of a body, new pictures, first pictures. And it was um, a few years ago when Pluto was, uh, by the International Astronomical Union, demoted... From planet to dwarf planet, in the same uh, swoop, Ceres was promoted from asteroid to dwarf planet. And this, in each, because we're talking about the astronomers, it has to do with size, with with um, uh, physical measurements relative to planets, asteroids, and kind of finding them in in between. So they're bigger than this, they're smaller than that. They can't be considered this. They don't have this qualification, but they do have this. So you end up with each of them being a dwarf planet. And this is really important when the IAU sanctions something or something is named, something is discovered and named. A classification of a body is changed because then here in astrology, over here in our our little part of the world, our relationship, astrologers realize that our, our collective relationship with that Archetype uh, and that myth that's associated with whatever body we're talking about changes. So Pluto is demoted, and it looks like Pluto becomes less important. But I really think that whole thing is, uh, from a high, from a bird's eye view, say it that way, is about putting our attention on Ceres. I really believe that. It's not that we should take Pluto as seriously. And if you know about my work, you know that I certainly don't I take it less seriously. I take it very seriously. But now to look at series in a new way. And it was maybe a year, year and a half ago that Vesta was... I want to say it was 2014. I could be wrong about that. but uh, And because I'm very Sagittarius and I'm not going to look it up. I'm not going to check my facts because I don't want to break my stride here. <laughs> uh, anyway, Um It's something I laugh about, about myself. So Vesta was promoted to dwarf planet from asteroid as well, based on physical characteristics. And so there's a whole thing in here about Vesta, too. You know, as far as our relationship with this this archetype being promoted, right? It's more important. Well, then you have New Horizons going to Pluto, and we have this visual. We have a visual of what Pluto actually looks like. So Pluto is discovered in 19... Uh, 30. And, um, you know, the whole various process, the famous story about its name, and then finally getting, you know, Pluto uh, assigned to it. And then in 2015, we have pictures of it. And now with Ceres, we have pictures of it. So, naming something, right? Discovery, and then naming, and then viewing it. These are phases in this archetype or this body revealing itself to be important. So when you hear about some asteroid or planet, new photos or something, the first look that we have at this planet, realize that this is is, is signaling that its place in our collective awareness is changing. Our knowledge of it, our openness to it, is increasing. So I do want to talk a little about about Ceres here. Um, And I'll tell you, if you want more on this, on the archetype and how to uh, work with uh, this dwarf planet or asteroid, astrologers still may refer to it as an asteroid. You can get, you can check out the asteroid and centaur class, which is uh, five um, videos that cover 11 archetypes. Pretty exciting. It's the first time I collected all this stuff to teach people how to see the myth and archetype, understand the process you know, the growth process, the archetypal process that we go through with these archetypes, and then how to actually use it in birth charts. And it comes with keyword lists for houses and signs for each of the 11 bodies. That's the asteroid and centaur class, and Ceres is one of the archetypes, as is Persephone, right, in mythology, her daughter, though I'm mixing up Greek and Roman. That's what we do. So so with, with Ceres... You know, it's promoted. I think in 2008, and now we have in, 2000, in 2015 we have these photos, we have this this visual. So, series. Uh, my first keyword I would use when working with a client or student is nurturing. But really, we're talking about protection, which includes nurturing. And the the story of series, there 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 are different stories, but really she gets a lot of attention in the story about Persephone. Uh, her daughter, or actually, um, if we say Ceres, we should say Proserpine. If we say Demeter, we can say Persephone, because they have the Roman and Greek, respectively. I mix them up, and it's just because what we do in charts, we don't. I think there is an asteroid Proserpine, and probably Demeter, but it's just it's just really common to do it that way. So the mother archetype, she's the harvest goddess, and her job is to look out for people, is to protect and nurture people. This whole protection thing with a daughter comes in the form of the daughter eventually grows up. So when we live series stories, we may care for somebody. Somebody may be under our wings, so to speak. But then we have to allow that person to grow out of that protective environment. Regarding nurturing, what is nurturing really? Is is If I say nurturing, you're going to think someone nurturing somebody else. You're going to think of a parental or a mother figure. Nurturing, taking care of. We, But we are all, every single human, in need of becoming the source of love for ourselves. If you're familiar with the channeling work from that Ascended Master I mentioned earlier, Jehudi, then you know that he repeatedly talks about the human journey in every life for every person is to experience this um, sometimes arduous laboratory learning learning uh, course of what love is, where it comes from, and who's responsible for giving it to whom. Ultimately, in the first four books, he talks about that constantly, the first four channel books that I brought through. In the fifth book, he finally says, oh, oh by the way, here's, the, here's where that leads. And I was like, thank, thank you, because this is really kind of, I needed the punchline. The punchline is, you know, what is it, where does it come from, who's responsible for giving it to whom? Like, okay, I'm ready. And in the fifth book he said, oh, you have to become the source of love for yourself. Every human has to become the source of love for the self. So when we have series issues, we may be protecting somebody else, or caring for that person in ways he or she needs to care for the self. We may also be waiting or being bitter about somebody else needing to care for us. We may be waiting for someone to protect us and tell us that we are valid, that we can stand up on our own two feet. So when I, when I in, in the Asteroid and Centaur class, you'll find the Persephone story is a maturation process given the context of being a child. The series story is a maturation process given the context of assuming others need you more than you need yourself. That others need protection. That others need care. And that your definition, your self-definition, rests upon what you do for others. So now we have pictures of series. It's It was discovered in the early 20th century, I believe. It's asteroid number one in that numbering system. Um, Then we have it promoted in 2008. And now 2015, we have these pictures. This This is the third phase here. The third phase. And so what, like the role, what I'm getting at is I'm inviting you to be aware of the role that nurturing has in your life. What you think about nurturing. What you what you assume it means. You know, even playing some word association games with that word. Who is supposed to nurture you? Who was supposed to? Who is now? What do you do for yourself that others used to do for you? What is part of you waiting for someone else to do that you need to do for yourself now? Now that these pictures are here, this signals that we're ready to go into a deeper level of that. And one of the big things about Ceres is the self, as I mentioned, the self-definition based in what we do for others. If you're running around in New Age metaphysical circles, you're going to hear a lot about self-love and self-care. When I got into channeling class years ago and kind of got into these circles, it was the the primary uh, topic of conversation. And I didn't really understand what it meant. And I had certain, I guess, biases because I hadn't really asked myself these questions. I hadn't really explored what this might mean for me. But over the years, and as a series in the first house person, I've become very aware of how I tend to put others first because I want them to be happy and safe. And how my attention... My nurturing attention has to get put on myself first. Like even today, I wanted to do this. Um, I wanted to do this MP3, and I realized I kind of had a little frog in my throat. And I thought, well, what's going on? So I had to clear my throat, and I thought maybe maybe that's a, a signal that I'm I should rest or not do a lot of talking today because I. And a lot I, yesterday my voice got a little tired because <clears throat> excuse me because I did a. a two-hour class that became a two-hour and 20-minute class, the Energy is Money as Energy class. And then uh, two clients booked energy work sessions after that, meaning I had not thought about the impact of talking for two hours and then leaving spots open on my calendar that returning clients can book. And I often edit that calendar, but I just didn't yesterday. And so then I did the, the, the you know, hour number three on the phone with the one client, and then a couple hours later I did hour number four. And by the time I was done with it, my voice was tired. So I thought, today, well, maybe I shouldn't do it. You know, listening to my body, letting my body tell me. Um, anyway, so I'm sipping water as we go, and um, everything's fine. But I'm, I'm aware of, you know, I want to get some information to you. I want to express this. I want to teach this thing in case it's helpful to you. But I do need to take care of myself first. That's a series journey. And today, if somebody called me and said, I absolutely need a session, I would say tomorrow is the earliest opportunity, because today I need to rest more and not be talking constantly, though I am right now. <laughs> I guarantee you, for the rest of the day, I won't be. Yeah, so how you care for yourself. What does that mean? You know, what does it look like, but what does it mean? What does it seem to mean? Is a very rich, avenue for for investigation. yields quite a lot. As far as Ceres being the harvest goddess, there is this also thread in here about providing for others. Sometimes that can seem like being a source of love. And so realize that doing for others, providing for others, can take away from what you need to do for yourself. And the point is not to not do for people, but the point is to be very aware of how it affects you and to... Be present in your body, your emotions, in order to do when it's appropriate. Um, I was actually tired last night, and I was out running an errand, and um, and my girlfriend had texted me the thing about um, the bright spots on series, and she and then she realized, yeah, I could use some magnesium sulfate, so she went and saw that we were out of Epsom salts. So I was already out doing errands. She texted me. Can you get some Epsom salts, too? And I said, yes, of course, I'll go do that, I paraphrasing my helpful self. But anyway, and I did it, but I was so tired. All I wanted to do was go to sleep, and I was like, yeah, I will do that. And there's like a serious thing. You know, there's like a serious thing. I'm doing the thing for the other person. And, and actually, what I didn't say is I, I'd actually been meaning to get them for about six months. I noticed we were low. And I just hadn't. so I was like, yeah, I will combine it in this errand, and I'll take care of it. Um, but yeah, we do we do for others. We provide, you know, in different ways. But if we define ourselves in terms of that doing, that's where the problem comes in. So anyway, check out the asteroid and centaur class, which is a series of the five video classes, and you get the PDFs of the PowerPoint that are threaded in the presentation, you're know, threaded in the videos, as well as uh, keyword lists for each, you know, and stuff about the myth and the archetype of each of the eleven of arch- the uh, eleven bodies covered in the class. So I think that's it for me today. I think it's good for me to go uh make some tea and sip some water and uh relax a little bit. So again, this is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. Thank you for uh joining me and you can support this audio project on the right-hand side of my profile here on SoundCloud. So if you're listening to a file, you're on that page uh that particular page, but go to my profile. You'll see a link on the right among other links including book a consultation and find me on social media and you can support the show uh, through PayPal. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your interest and keep in touch. Oh, wait, there's one more thing. Uh, in keeping with the spirit of interrupting myself, I'm going to add a third segment uh, to this uh, episode or this podcast. As many of you know, especially if you listened to the soul's journey podcast over the three years I did that, um, I live in a neighborhood that is uh, filled with barking dogs. And a lot of people have written me with suggestions and, and um, different things because it's really been driving me crazy. And, and uh, the update and perhaps the final um, installment in the what is to me a uh, saga <laughs> is that I purchased a handheld device that makes a noise. That humans cannot hear, but dogs can hear, and it confuses them. It throws them. I'm not quite sure what the equivalent would be for a person. I've been, amazed. I know that for me, if you've ever seen the um, the sci-fi TV show Doctor Who, the Daleks or Daleks, I'm not quite sure, but they're kind of robot uh, entities, and their voices uh, do this to me. They make me absolutely crazy. I run away. So I actually can't watch that show, though I love it because they surprise their entrance can be a surprise and then you're I'm completely thrown off for a few hours. Um, but anyway, this handheld device maybe 25 30 bucks or whatever on an, on a popular online website. It um it, it confuses them and, st- and stops many dogs from barking. So, I've started to train the neighborhood dogs that um, this is my block. I feel like a playground bully. But I'm standing there holding this device, and the dog is acknowledging, oh, okay, you're in charge, and it runs inside. It doesn't like the noise. It turns out it's not harmful, but of course part of me is feeling a little vengeful, but it's not harmful. Uh, It just confuses them. So I've been working on um, one, two, three, four, five, six, six of the approximately ten dogs in the neighborhood. It's colder right now in Tucson for the last week or so. Even including like overnights in the twenties. And so they're not, um, they're not all out all the time. But anyway, the worst of them, I'm going to give you a sampling of what it sounds like to, to live in my house or what it has sounded like until I decided to become, uh, till I decided to own this, this piece of real estate, this whole neighborhood. And the way I've been thinking, well, okay. Okay. I'll just I'm going to give you a sample of, um, of the dog from next door. Now, in that sample, you hear a little, if you're listening closely, you can hear this um, other dog noise that's in there, which is the other dog that lives there. So you have this big, this this medium to large-sized dog, the Doberman, and then you have this small white hound, I think it's a French bulldog. White hound? White French bulldog. Sorry, I'm a little... Whatever uh, Neptune. So, because um, I listened to that when I pasted it, and I listened to it, and it, it throws me that noise. Um, so that other dog is standing there t- chiming in when it can get a chance. Like the other one's like bark 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 bark, and the other one's like, hey, I'm here too. No, hey, but the dog is a little older, a little smaller. And the and the when I first heard that dog's bark a few weeks ago, I looked at it and said, really? And my girlfriend said. That, that's what it sounds like? Because we've seen it a couple times, but we've never heard it. So anyway, that's what it... Okay, this is what it sounds like for real. And then this is what it sounds like in my head. And so yes, I've spent some time going crazy. Now you have just an an oral sense of what, what of what it has been. It's really made me crazy, but I th- I'm glad I, I recorded it uh, because I think this era, which is five and three quarters years of being driven crazy by neighbors, I've even, I've moved. This is the third place I've lived in five years. And it seems like everywhere I go, this is an issue, and I realize that my energy fields sometimes make them nervous. But now, you know, this is my playground. This is my block, <laughs> and uh, I think it's going to be over. I even noticed today two of the two of the more obnoxious dogs, including the the loudest one you just heard, was barking inside its house when it knew I was I was outside. Like it sees me now, and it knows that that it's not okay. So anyway, I'm winning. And uh, it makes Tucson not such a horrible place that I've kind of bitched about it for years. But anyway, that's a little update. Uh, Thanks for playing. And again, if you want to support this audio project and the teachings I bring you, do that through my SoundCloud uh, profile page. And otherwise, visit me at tdjacobs.com. Take care.